Blog Talk Radio. We've gotta be the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again We are exploding, the world is gonna know it We rock it like you're never gonna see us again Come on over Smackdown on Mark Hunt. 
Um, of course, is you know, Victor UFC 200. We're going to talk about Brock Lesnar once again and Randall K. Orton, uh, you know, their opponents at SummerSlam, so that should be good. There's a couple of WWE things we're going to have to sprinkle in here. We're going to talk about how Supergirl finally got her Superman. Uh, they finally cast the, uh, you know, the actor for, Super, for Supergirl to play the role of Superman. We're going to talk about how Mike Francesca and Christopher Mad Dog Russo did not, I repeat, did not get into the, uh, you know, Radio Broadcast Hall of Fame, which, of course, I blame that squarely on Joe. Um, we're going to talk about the absolute really? racist scum that is Isaiah Cromwell, who hopefully will be employed by weeks, uh, unemployed by week's end. We're going to talk about the fraud that is Bernie Sanders, you know, Bush and yep. Obama, a little bit of that going on in Dallas, you know, after all the shootings and everything over there, where five police officers unfortunately were killed. And, of course, we are going to talk about the FBI director, James Comey, and his wonderful handling of this Hillary Clintonian email fiasco. Sir, before we get into all that, how you doing? How's everything? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm, uh, I had to ask. Uh, I just got done watching probably the most emotional award show uh, ever in the ESPYs this year. I think that they did a great job, but didn't really focus on sports as much as the real-life problems that we have with, like, uh, you know, the gun violence, cancer, people that have overcome great feats. So um, I'm sure you didn't watch it, but uh, John Cena did a good job. His intro was uh, spot on. Yeah, he did a really good job. And uh, I think the show um, pretty much was a tearjerker from beginning to end, which just went off the air about two minutes ago. So uh, great show, great job by the ESPYs. That's good stuff, sir. It's good stuff. I mean, yeah, I didn't watch the ESPYs. I, I honestly cannot remember who in the world. I can't remember the last time that I – uh, watch the SB, sir. It's, it's, I don't even know if I ever watched it, to be honest with you. If you catch a replay or maybe YouTube some clips, uh, again, John Cena did a great job. I was wondering how he would do and if he would be too uptight, if he'd be nervous, but uh, I think he did a great job. And, uh, you know, so the jokes were funny and the, just the, the tissues and the, the tears were flowing throughout the night. Well, I mean, you got to figure, sir, not for nothing, but you got to figure that, uh, you know, they would do a good job with all that, sir, and so many things going on in the world. I mean, you know, what are you going to do, sir? What are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? Let me ask you, before we get started with the rundown, when is Michelle joining us, in the second half of the hour or now? No, or, she'll be calling you know? in in about 10 minutes or so. 10 minutes or so? Okay. Yeah, So let's, pretty much. Let's, uh, talk, let's talk about the mess uh, that's known as the New York Mets. <laughs> Uh, let's not and say we did, uh, the, the less said about the Mets, the better. No, um, yeah, you know, the Mets ended the first half of the season absolutely dreadfully. You and I were getting pumped up. We were buying into the lies. We were being the frauds that we are and thinking, man, the Mets really turned it around. That home run by Cespedes, uh, you know, against the Cubs really seemed to set the Mets on a nice little path there. They won almost like four or five games in a row. They were coming yep. back strong, hitting, you know, they looked like a totally different team. And then all of a sudden, they ran into the buzzsaw. That is Daniel Murphy and the Washington Nationals. And I tell you, the embarrassing thing to me, if the Mets don't make that ridiculous comeback, I think they were down 6 nothing, if I'm not mistaken, right, in that first game. If the Mets don't make yeah. that ridiculous comeback, they get swept from four games. And, you know, instead of being 6 out, they'd be 8 out, which is embarrassing. And I, I know you and I were going back and forth about, you know, how one more win to me would have made a difference because you're 4 out versus, you know, 6 out and you wanted them to be 2 out. But I'd say I would have taken a four-game split. But considering the way that, that series started, it's embarrassing that they ended up losing the next three games in a row, sir. Yeah, I mean, I think it was fool's goat for us to think that the Mets going into the series were going to be able to take – I thought they were going to be able to take three out of four at home. But uh, I just think the injuries and the fact that Daniel Murphy is a Met killer, 
Um, he's the new Chipper Jones of this era, and you know he's playing with a chip on his shoulder, and he's an all-star. He had a great all-star game yesterday. Um, I, I saw the stats. He had two hits, made a great defensive play, and the Nets are just a better team this year, uh, top to bottom. I just think that they have a better lineup. Their pitching staff is actually even better, too, because if you think about it, the Mets are just all injured. Like, everybody has an injury on the pitching staff. Harvey's done for the year. Um, just too many things to overcome this year. It'd be a miracle if the Mets make the wild card. I agree. I mean, a miracle may be stretching it, but I think the Mets definitely need a lot of help. It's been a bad, bad season with all the injuries, like you said. You know, the the whole debacle yesterday with the All-Star game, which I understand Terry probably didn't want to, you know, get get his guys hurt or whatever, considering all the injuries, but the fact that the Mets should have had the starting pitcher in the All-Star game, got hurt, should have had a starting, what, left fielder or center fielder, I forget where they, would have, they were voting Cespedes, um, he, you know, he got hurt, and it goes to show you, this season, it, it's so fragile, this baseball career, this, this baseball life, and that's why last season is such a kick in the junk to me, because if the Mets had won that series, that World Series, like they should have, like they could have, like they had in the palm of their hands, we're not having this conversation, and it, and if we are, it really it's a matter of who cares because they would have made such an impact winning the World Series for the first time in, you know, 29 years. At this point, you're hoping, you're begging like a dog for them to even get table scraps and make it into the playoffs, but the odds of them winning anything are very remote because they look so bad most of the time, and they have so many injuries. It's just, honestly, it's just too much to overcome. Like you said, Harvey's done for the year. Uh, Wheeler, who knows when the hell he's coming back, you know, you got the dead arm with with um, Matt. what's his name Syndergaard. You got the bone spur with Matt, and then you know Syndergaard still has the bone. It's just too much, sir. I don't I don't see how the Mets write this ship, and there there is no help coming. You know, there's no uh, light at the end of the tunnel, sir. So I don't know how they're going to fix this. I really don't. Yep, and given the fact that the Mets do not like to spend a lot of money, and they know that they have to lock up these pitchers uh, long term in the next couple of years, I'm sure that they're saving their money to give these pitchers, um, you know, some decent contracts, not these absorbent amount of contracts. But then you look on the offensive side with Dave Wright, his career pretty much is over. Lucas Duda is injured. Uh, Granderson just hasn't been the same yeah, player the as he was last year. Is he ever coming back? I heard he was out for three months, and that was uh, about a couple months ago. So I don't, I, I haven't heard anything about Duda, to be honest with you. It seems like he's, he's never coming back. Yeah, the Mets need all the help they can get. I agree. I think David Wright needs to retire. I think he's done. I think he needs to call it quits, to be honest with you. Yeah, and Granderson, uh, again, uh, he was the MVP last year. This year he's just uh, not not pulling his weight. And I don't think the Mets will re-sign him after this year. I think he gets to walk, and uh, we'll probably see Nemo. I mean, we're seeing the youth injection of the um, the Mets, you know, with Nemo and Herrera will probably be up uh, in September. You know it's so Nemo, the, right? Uh, what did I say, Nemo? Yeah, it's not Nemo. Yeah, finding Nemo is probably on my mind, and uh, I've been calling him that ever since he came up, you know, finding Nemo. So it's Nemo, whatever. Um, How original. So, I think that the Mets at the trading deadline, which is only about, I think July 31st is the trading deadline, if I'm not mistaken. No, it's actually August 1st this year. August 1st? Okay. I, I just don't think yeah, uh, the Mets it. will make it. Yeah, I don't think the Mets will make any moves this year. I, I think that the, they're going to stand pat. And what worries me is that, like, I, I really hope that we're not having a repeat of the 90s where we had Generation K and all of a sudden these pitchers turn to be uh, all injury prone and just don't live up to their expectations. It's It's starting to feel that way, and I just... I hate that feeling again. Well, to be honest with you, I think that I think that the Mets, um, you know, it just they had their chance, they blew it, 
And it really is difficult, you know, to see them not doing the job, not getting the job done. You know, so many holes. And it's like, I don't know if they're Generation K because I think they've already done more in Mets uniforms than Generation K ever did. But right. I think that the injuries are going to be a problem. I think that, you know, odds are Mats or Syndergaard's probably going to go down for the year also. The fact that they've all had Tommy John surgery, basically, I think other than um, – who hasn't had Tommy John? Is Syndergaard the only one who hasn't had Tommy John yet? I be- well, Mats hasn't either, right? No, I think Mats did have Tommy John. I think the only one is Syndergaard. Anyway, the point is that these guys are having so many injuries, so young in their career, and that last year, 2015, is going to haunt us. So I really think that five, ten years from now, we're going to look back on 2015 as the year that we we blew it and the Mets don't even sniff the World Series again. Well, I, I mean, I look at 2006 as the same way as you look at 2015. The Mets were the better team against the Tigers. Yeah, uh, but they 2015, the- sir, the Mets went to the World Series. They were in the World Series. They had, a, they had, a, they were in every game except for the second game. They should have won. They could have won. In in 2006, they should have made it to the World Series, and they probably would have destroyed the Tigers. But they didn't even get to the World Series. Like this, last year, they were there, sir. They right in the palm of our hands, and they blew it. Yeah, on the uh, the coattails of uh, Daniel Murphy, who's again now on the Nationals and uh, playing with a chip on his shoulder. Which again, you can't blame him. The guy is just having a phenomenal season, and um, I, I don't know. I, I think that the Mets were in a a tough situation. You know, you didn't want the guy resigned because he right. was a liability defensively, but offensively he's, he's really negative. carrying the Nationals. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Gary Cohen. No, he is, and you know, let's let's get into that for a second. And the fact that you know Bryce Harper's having a down year, you know, I've heard some people, some ignorant people, um, on WFAN, as it were, uh, specifically Craig Garton, who know who absolutely knows nothing about sports, but that's neither here nor there, talking about how it's overblown, and you know, Harper's not no protection, and that's something from like the twenties, and blah blah blah. The fact is that people don't want to pitch to Bryce Harper. Even if Bryce Harper on one leg, you don't want to pitch to him. So people are, Murphy's a good hitter, you know. I'm not taking anything away from him. But he's seeing even better pitches because nobody wants to pitch to Harper. So, of course, he's going to have this amazing season. This guy, in all his years with the Mets, did not do anything like this. The closest he came was that week in the playoffs, and that was it. Other than that, I mean, this guy's 14 homers, 15 homers at the most. He's already set a career high in home runs, if I'm not mistaken, or at, or at very least tied it. You know, he's on an amazing pace. His, his average has dropped. It was like four-something. Now it's in the mid-threes. But at the end of the day, there's no way that this guy's going to keep this pace up. And, you know, he's in that position because of the lineup that he's in. If you if you put him on the Mets, the guy's got six homers and, like, 25 RBI, and the Mets are still terrible. So that's the truth, sir. You know I know the American people know it. <laughs> yeah, so think about it. Last year the Mets made this great run because – Cespedes uh, was traded to the uh, the Mets by accident. Let's face it, the Mets were going after right. uh, some other guy. I forget the guy's name, and they ended up with Cespedes, and they turned out to be uh, the better of the deal. Gomez, Carlos Gomez. Yeah, that's right, Carlos Gomez of the of the Brewers. And then uh, the pitching staff was good; they were dominant, and uh, Murphy carried them through the playoffs until the World Series, where he just uh, didn't perform, and the Mets lost the World Series to a better team. <laughs> All around for the Royals, so right, I, right. I definitely mean, a better all-around team, sir. We definitely have to lower our expectations this year, especially with again all these mm. injuries and the fact that they're not the at, same offensively. <laughs> at this point, do you think they even make the playoffs or they even get into the? I mean, they're still up there in the wild card, right? So, do they make the playoffs? Gut feeling. A gut even feeling, if it's like a I said. Playoff. Yeah, gut feeling. By default, I think they do because there's only about three teams that are in contention for that wild card, and there's two wild cards. So I think the Mets have a shot with this pitching if they stay healthy. If Mets 
and Noah go down with injuries to their arms, then no, I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, I, I would hope and try to be optimistic and say that they'll stay healthy. But again, you never know. Of course, sir, of course. And, uh, you know, I believe that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, we have our uh, our guest for the evening online here. Let me just... Uh, let me just double check before we, uh, sure. you know, put someone on who's not supposed to. Yeah, we are joined by Michelle, the the one and only, the the talented Michelle. How are you doing this evening? <laughs> I'm fine, thank you. I don't know if I'm the one and the only <laughs> Michelle, but <laughs> well, okay, you I'm you definitely well. are. I am your caller, there. though. I mean, I am me. No. You are you. That is correct. And uh, we appreciate you being you, because if you weren't you, then I don't know who the hell we'd be talking to right now. Now, Michelle, there's so much to get to tonight, and I know that, you know, you and I have kind of gone back and forth for quite a while now trying to get you on the show. So I do appreciate you, you know, calling in and, and giving us the time of day, because I'm sure there's so many other things you could be doing, you know, far more interesting than this. But, um, you know, Joe and I, before you called in, we were talking about, um, you know, the Mets and their whole situation, we're big Mets fans. And, you know, one of the things that I wanted to discuss with you, uh, I want to get a real perspective, A, as a woman, B, as a sports fan, and C, uh, as a human being who happens to be, you know, again, the one and only Michelle. Now, um, before we get into all that, though, let's, uh, you know, give us your, your Twitter handle and all that so the fans out there listening can, uh, you know, check you out if they're not following you yet. Okay. Um, okay, my Twitter handle is at SportsXMichelle, and just to clarify, it's not X-rated because I get that question all the time, but it's just crazy. But the radio show that I first started to promote, Sports X Radio, is just, you know, X-factor, plural, that's just Sports X Radio. It's an, on AM 720 in Las Vegas, so Sports X Michelle, Michelle Sports X, that's me. So you'll find me on Twitter at Sports X Michelle and Instagram and Facebook and that kind of stuff. Awesome. Yeah. It's funny because um, I remember when I first found you years ago on Twitter, I was like, that X always threw me off, but there's not a couple of extra, you know, Xs. So I figured out oh, it's probably some sort of like extreme, you know, sports or something like that. You know, that, that that's like her big thing. But um, again, we do appreciate you coming on the air with us. Now let's get to the, uh, let's get to the business at hand. Now, again, the mess, our team, Recently, one of my favorite all-time Mets, and one of Joe's favorite all-time Mets, <laughs> um, Jose Reyes came back to the team. You know, he came back because there was that whole incident that happened in Hawaii with his wife where he apparently choked her, threw her through a glass window, et cetera, et cetera. Now, here in New York, there was a huge uproar by a lot of fans who were saying that they didn't want Jose Reyes back on the team, that, you know, again, the only reason he's here is because of that, because nobody wanted to touch him with a 10-foot pole. But... You know, some fans are were for it. Some fans don't care. They just want him back because it helps the team. Um, and then other fans are really just disgusted and want nothing to do with him. Basically, you know, he can have a second chance, but we don't want him on our team type of thing. Now, again, as a woman um, and a sports fan, give us your take on that whole situation. You know, do these athletes deserve, in your opinion, do these athletes deserve a second chance after something like this? You know, I'm – I'm respectful of the way people are hesitant to allow somebody that has gotten themselves in this sort of situation to be back 
only I have to be honest with you, I'm more apt to say given the circumstance and looking at someone making uh, a choice like this, you know, doing something like this, getting in trouble for it, what are we supposed to do? If people do this, it's not that I'm saying I don't condone it, but I also don't condone just, you know, throwing the book at someone and saying, okay, sorry. Yes, of course, you're supposed to know better. And who among us is perfect? So I have a difficult time with the never, you know, absolutes. I I remember Star Wars one time. I, I think it's Star Wars. I don't remember who says it, but only a Sith believes in absolutes. So it's kind of like I'm bringing up your movie thing. There you go. But, I mean, so if you say we're never letting him back on the team or he should never play in Major League Baseball again, I don't know. It takes me a while before I would say never. Right. Now, see, my thing is, this is my issue. Now, of course, you know, I don't condone. And it sounds stupid to say, but, yeah, I don't condone what happened. I think it's horrible. I don't think it was a mistake. A mistake is – you know, you, you you left your shoelace on body and you tripped over your shoes and fell, you know, face forward. A mistake is you forgot to put your left turn signal on, you know, going into the left lane while you're moving over. A mistake is, you know, you ran out of toilet paper and you have a, a big case of IBS and you didn't plan for this. That's a mistake. What Jose Reyes did is not a mistake. It was a terrible thing. It was a disgusting thing. It was a despicable thing. You should never lay your hands on anyone, you know, man, woman, you know, anything. But my problem is, is to me, fans are such hypocrites and they're such absolute clowns because to say that someone, anyone, whether it's Reyes, whether whatever the place is, you know, they don't deserve a second chance. I don't want him on my team. Get him the hell off my team. I hate him. My opinion is this. You know who Jose Reyes owes an apology to? His wife. You know who he owes an apology to? His kids, his daughters. That's who he owes an apology to. His family, his mom. That's who he owes an apology to because you know what? Him – choking his wife or whatever the case is, that doesn't affect me personally. He didn't do it to my wife. He didn't do it to my mom. He didn't do it to you. He didn't do it to, to Joe's wife. He didn't do it to anybody we know. So why is it that fans get in such an uproar as if they personally have something invested, like he personally assaulted their family member, when the truth is that, you know what, yeah, these guys are role models, et cetera, et cetera, but at the end of the day, it's not really our business what happens. I, I find ha- fans to be so hypocritical because they'll they'll rail against Jose Reyes. Oh, he should never he should never play again. He's the scum of the earth. I don't even want to root for him. I don't want him on my team. And yet, some of these fans will switching to wrestling. I know Joe, of course, knows what I'm talking about. But Stone Cold, Michelle, I don't know if you know anything about wrestling, but have you ever heard of Stone Cold Steve Austin? Yeah. Steve Austin. I have. I've beat- heard of him. <laughs> All right, Steve Austin beat multiple wives that he had, not just one. He had one, who, Deborah. she was in the WWE, this whole big mess. He beat her like three or four times, apparently. This is a repeat, a repeat thing. Fans still love him. A hundred and something thousand people at WrestleMania 32 cheering this guy when he's coming down. Proven wife beater, beat one of his other ex-wives, and you can you know look it up online. But fans act like, oh, well, no big deal. But this is like a repeat thing. This isn't a one-time thing. And the Jose Reyes thing probably happened more than once, but again, you're speculating. I don't get why fans think, oh, it's okay for Steve Austin to beat the crap out of his wife multiple times and for her to press charges, and it's not okay because nothing was proven against Jose Reyes, and his wife didn't cooperate with the police, and nothing happened. So that's the thing that gets me, and Joe, I don't know if you want to chime in on this, but that's what really just annoys me because to me, fans are such hypocrites, and they act like, like 
Jose Reyes owes them the world. What do you think about that, sir? Yeah, I mean, I think that people in general, tell me if you agree, Michelle, want to um, just want to, you know, have their voices be heard and use athletes as a platform for that. So if an athlete, uh, for example, has domestic violence with his wife, they want to stand behind it and make that the platform for their their message, whatever it may be. So I think that they take athletes, they judge them, they don't know the story completely, but they use them to benefit their own cause. Uh, I just want to say one thing about mistake, and I think sometimes we all have different thoughts on what a mistake is, but when I yeah. say mistake, if you if you you know, if you look, a mistake could also be an error in action. So that's what I mean when, I mean, it's definitely, you know, whether or not somebody does something, again, to to put your, whether it whether it's true or not, to be, uh, let's, let's just go with, you know, that this is something that's done and you hit somebody. What I don't understand, and I understand the whole hypocritical thing because I, I get that, and then the Stone Cold thing, it's a great, I mean, it's a great question. Why is it? Warren Moon also was arrested for domestic violence years ago, and I think that, you know, a lot of people probably back then, uh, at the time, it might have been in the news, and, you know, people might have not thought of it the same way they do today. But if someone were to, I, I would find it ironic, and, you know, Warren Moon standing there talking with someone and somebody going off and saying, you know, I can't believe that player, you know, he did this, he did that, and he got arrested for domestic violence. He should never play again. And I would just love to hear Warren Moon's response because Warren, Moon re- Warren Moon's response, among others that have had this happen in their life, would probably be interesting, you know, where so many of these, oh, you know, I read his book, he's great, he's this. Do you really know? Or do you know if Joe Torre was ever involved in a domestic violence altercation with Ali? Do any of us really know? Or did, it, did we just not see it in the media? Joe Torre's mom... You know, he's got that safe at home foundation for a reason. Right, right. And if, if, you know, so I just feel like, I feel like sometimes, you know, like to me, it'd be interesting if Joe Torrey, and I'm not saying that he did anything, that's not what I'm implying, but it would right. be interesting if Joe Torrey ever came out and said, you know what, when I was in my 20s or when I was in my 30s, I did X, Y, and Z and had an error in judgment, you know, or, or I did this horrific act. Do you hate me now? Will I never be? Should I not be allowed on the field because I went and learned about how to control my anger? Should I never have managed the Yankees or the Mets or the Dodgers? Well, and I'm it's not saying you mentioned again, Joe I don't Torrey. mean to imply. It's just an example right. where I'm saying that this is a man that I think is loved by so many, and yet, should there ever have been something like that come out? Would those fans turn around and, and judge him for that one action that may have been something that he isn't proud of? And like I said, I'm not saying he did it. I'm just saying that it, it just goes to your point that, like, really? You're going to judge someone based on one action? I, I'm just not a fan of that. Well, to me, the whole thing, and Joe Torre, it's interesting because I remember getting into, and I, I don't like Joe Torre. You know, I'm a Mets fan. I could care less about Joe Torre. Although he was a Mets manager for a short period of time, uh, and yeah, he played on the Mets, I mean, uh, and as the manager, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, so the Mets, uh, Joe Torre, Joe Torre, focus on that. There was a whole thing where this guy was going off, and oh, Joe Torre beat his wife, and it's a fact, and this, and Joe Torre is the scum of the earth. And I'm, I'm thinking like I looked online, couldn't find it anywhere. You know, this is 
you know, I heard rumors about it, but it wasn't anything that I could ever find. There was no sort of concrete evidence or proof or anything. So, you know, this person was going nuts. To me, it's just sanctimonious, it's hypocritical. It's just over the top. Like, these athletes don't to me, this is my opinion. Athletes don't owe us an apology. A, because the apologies are never legitimate and they're always forced. But B, like I said, it's his wife that he has to deal with. It's his, his family he has to deal with. You know, what Jose Reyes did was terrible, and, you know, he's got daughters, and it's, you know, I'm, no father wants his, you know, another man laying a hand on his kids. I know he's a, you know, father of two daughters myself. You know, I would choke someone out. I would go to jail. I don't care what it was if anybody laid a hand on either one of my daughters. But at the end of the day, to me, it's just it's over the top, and people really get on their high horse. And, you know, this is where – I remember reading articles in the Daily News and the Post about how he's basically the scum of the earth, and I, ne- I never want to root for the Mets again because they allowed this. Like, you know what? When When is enough enough? When is it like, all right, you, you're allowed to have a second chance? And I think that's that's my whole take on it. And I know we've all kind of been going back and forth on this. But to me, it's just over the top. People go crazy. They, they go nuts. But speaking of that whole thing, you know, that whole genre about athletes and second chances, Michelle, give us your thoughts on this whole Isaiah Crowell or Cromwell. I, I forget his name. Because I have it, I'm going to see if I even, you know, wrote it down correctly. Because I thought I did. Um, you know, this whole debacle, and to me, this is an absolute it's, it's, debacle. It's, I think it's Crowell. Crowell, yeah, yeah, Right. Okay. So, give us your thoughts on that, because Joe and I have talked about this extensively off the year. I've heard about it before him. I said, you know, he found it online. I sent him the picture. The way that it was described, I didn't think anything of it until I actually saw the picture, and it made me sick to my stomach. But what do you think in in this situation? Again, we just talked about Jose Reyes and beating his wife and second chances. What do you think about this whole hot mess? Okay, well, here's – I have a hard time with anybody that is – I respect the passion and – for all people, you know, all people that have, that are trying to build bridges and work together to create unity. I have a hard time with anyone that's, that's perpetuating division. United we stand, right. and it's really upsetting to me. If you have problems with police organizations, I believe at this point in time, there are ways to handle this that don't necessarily require I, I think it's disgusting what he did. I think posting the photo that he posted is horrible for someone in his when you go into a professional league and you do talk about not not a mistake and, and a choice, like why why? Like why? Why would you do this? If you truly have a problem with what's being done and all of these different things and you want to get somewhere and you want I just think that you do you are an athlete. You have a platform you can be heard, and what do you do? Like this is this is what you did. You just you you just kind of to me, just I don't know. I think it's the photo he put up on Instagram and then took down. I just think it's disgusting. I have a I, I just think it's disgusting. I I don't even know. Like, I don't even know. I looked at the photo and I thought you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me that you put this up there and you are a member of the NFL. I I would have him out. I would. I wouldn't even. There wouldn't be no. That's the whole collective bargaining thing. I would have. There'd be no. Nope. 
See, and this is where I would, I guess I'm hypocritical because I would have a real hard time with what he did. But see, I, the reason I don't think that what you're saying is hypocritical is because the Jose Reyes thing and things like that, those are situations where fans get upset because what somebody physically does to, again, a member of their family, whatever the case is. The Isaiah Crowell thing in the situation that we have and the, the turbulent times that we're in, what he posted was beyond disgusting. It was reprehensible. It was horrific. You know, the whole, the officer getting his throat slit. And I'm going to read something that he wrote. And to me, this is, this is what makes me, this is what I, I, I loathe athletes and I loathe these BS, you know, comments. All right, I'm going to write, I'm just going to read a couple paragraphs here. Last week was an emotional, this is through his uh, Twitter account. Last week was an emotional and difficult week as we saw extreme acts of violence against black men across our country as well as against police officers in Dallas. I posted an image to Instagram in the midst of that emotion that I shouldn't have and immediately removed it. It was an extremely poor decision, and I apologize for that mistake and for offending people. My values and beliefs do not match that image. I'm going to get back to that statement in a second. I am outraged and upset by the deaths of Alton Sterling and Philando Castillo, along with so many others. I am also saddened, and I call this is my little ad lib. This is total bullcrap on his part. I am also outraged and saddened by the attacks in Dallas and the deaths of the officers, and he names them all who are providing protection while trying to keep peace. See, this is where I think athletes make me want to puke and vomit because this is absolute crap. When you say my values and beliefs do not match that image, they absolutely do match that image because you would never have posted that. Now, me personally, I happen to respect police. I've never had any issues with any police. I would never post an image even remotely insinuating murdering a cop. This is this is murder. This is terrorism. Could you, Michelle, could you imagine, and none of us here are African-American or whatever, could you imagine if they had been a cop slitting the throat of a black man with the with American flag around? If the role was reversed, could you imagine the absolute disgust and outrage and people calling for the badge of the police officer or people calling for whoever it is to be fired? He, if I were the Cleveland Browns management, he'd be gone. The minute I saw he'd be this, gone. I don't I, want this on my yeah, team. I, I don't need this on my too. team. This is absolutely horrible it's and disgusting. reprehensible. It is disgusting. It's and to disgusting. Say that, I, know, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. What bothers me is that he says – hold on, Mr. Robert. Uh, no. What bothers me is, is that he says that his beliefs don't match that, which is crap, and then he's saddened by the deaths of the five police officers. If that were the case, you never would have posted this disgusting image in the first place. So who are you trying to fool? Now go. No, but he posted that after the deaths of the officers, right? Uh, yeah. He posted – yeah. So, I mean, if I can't get into yeah. his mind. I, I, I just want to say I dated – a New York city detective for for over 10 years. So I'm going to, you know, just, just not that. In fact, I think I have a pretty good idea of, you know, I've seen, I've seen certain things that other people probably haven't seen. I've heard different things that other people might not have seen, but I'm not going to just be on one side. I try to look at the whole situation and I try as best I can like you said no I'm not African American or you know African American I'm not I'm not a woman of color but that doesn't define me my color doesn't define me do I think it's horrible to be treated anyway because women were property too I don't think it should be I think I think you're right I think it I think the photo again I can't say that I think the photo depicts what he felt and and he was that angry and I think that his apology sounds like it was typed by 
some agent yep. and, you know, they said put it out yep. there, I think that, you know, to me, I would t- – first of all, I don't even think there should be an apology. And I read what the I read what the Cleveland police said, you know, he should have to go down there. I do believe that there should be – you know what? You should go and go walk in those shoes of those officers. You want to criticize them so much. And you want to say, now, I'm not saying that certain things are not, you know, you see clearly that there are problems within law enforcement. But you barely see all the positives, and you don't see what they go through. And if you want to go walk through a building that has no lights on it and have to do the hall check and have to go up to the roof when there's no lights, and you want to walk through that building, and you want to risk your life, and you want to go through it, go be my guest. Do that. And after you do it for six months or a year or two years or three or four or five, and you come out and you're unscathed by all of that you've gone through, like, let me know. You know, let me know before you're going to sit and you can say we're not happy about certain things and we've experienced this. We've all experienced things. And so we should all work together to correct it, not post photos like that that just perpetuate the division. I think it's disgusting. Yeah. And I, I also, Sorry, yeah, I also I think, do. yeah, I agree with you guys. I, and I think that the problem also becomes is that, like Dave was saying, if the role, the things were reversed and somebody had posted it uh, with somebody killing an African American with a white person behind it slitting his throat, I think, I think that's the, uh, you know, and then you have the whole like movement with like you know Black Lives Matter, and then I can right. only imagine if like somebody did like White Lives Matter. It just I think it's just the wrong message, and I think Crowell was definitely uh, felt like he, you know, he was definitely he. The picture he posted was definitely how he felt. It's not a mistake. It's not nothing like that. And I think that he, like Dave said, and like you agree too, he should be released immediately because, just like the commissioner of the in Dallas said that, be part of the solution, not part of the problem. I think Crowell is definitely part of the problem. I think that this division that Absolutely. we have. In, yeah, and I don't. It's a graphic, I really think violent picture. It's it's not like it's yeah. Family Guy that you know Family Guy does this right. with all things and stuff. This this was just I don't know. I I think it's disgusting. Yeah, no, it's disgusting. And then he writes on the caption: "They give police all types of weapons, and they continually choose to kill us." Hashtag weak. This is how he. This is what I don't get, and this is what I don't understand that the NFL and the Cleveland Browns. If I'm Roger Goodell. I force the hand of the Browns to I don't I wouldn't want this guy in the league. He could do all the apologies, he can go to precincts, he can do whatever the hell he wants, but he needs to be gone from the Browns. Do you ever see so this is how he feels go Yeah, okay, well the, you know what? I'd like to see a lot more people of all color within the NFL use their platform to show and depict the violence that our, you know, gang members are doing or different things like that and and what the police go through. And then, you know, do you ever see anyone speaking out on, and I think the San Francisco giants are having law enforcement night. I, I guys, I got to get going. And I just, I'm sorry if I got too passionate on this one, but that picture just really, it's, I find it absolutely like deplorable. It's, and you know what? Like, yeah, like really gross. I'm, I'm really gross, gross. I think it's disgusting. And the apology is just, a joke. Sorry. No, it 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 definitely definitely is a joke. Uh, I I heard you say you have to get going. Um, I, I did want to. Yeah, cover I want to thank you guys, you, but... and I feel like I got too passionate about this, but that picture was so <laughs> disturbing to me. 
It's like disgusting. And, and I don't think like, are you kidding me? You're an NFL player. Kids look up to you and that's what you post on your Instagram. How disgusting is that? That's just, that was just disgusting. And there's no, there is no excuse for that. I'm sorry. There's none. No, you're absolutely right, Michelle. We couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, I'm glad that you're, uh, you know, you're, you're on the right side on this one for sure. And we, you know, we definitely appreciate you taking some time to talk to us. Um, you know, Joe thank and I will continue so with the topics and stuff. No, thank you for calling in. We really appreciate it. And hopefully we can have you on again soon to talk about more positive things, uh, not such thanks, negative guys. stuff. <laughs> thanks. No, no, thank no, no, you. it was cool. Have thank a good you one. so much. Bye-bye. Right, take care. That was, uh, you know, that's a first. That's a first where a guest is like, I got to go. I got to hang up right now. Um, interesting <laughs> stuff. And, you know, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to talk to you about, one more thing, um, and this is totally off topic, but we, we're such, such a horrible, such horrible things, such disgusting things. I want to get back to something. I want to talk about, look, I, Isaiah Crowell is a fraud, but let's talk about another fraud, and that's the one and only Bernie Madoff Sanders. Sir, you know what? Hold on a second. Before we get into all that, let's take a break. Let's do what we got to do. Let's pay the sponsors. Because you know what? Yeah, let's regroup because it's kind of – you can't really follow that up, especially when we just kind of hung up on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Hi, I'm Anna Prosser, Miss Oregon USA 2011 and professional video gaming personality. It's hard to define what I do, so I fit right in on the show that talks about anything and everything, Pure Gold Radio. Hey, this is Blanca from Group One Crew, and you're listening to Pure Gold. I love how outdated some of these are. I'm pretty sure Blanca has a solo career now, and Group One Crew doesn't even exist, but let's go with one more. Hey, everyone. This is Brittany Dawn Brandon, Miss Arizona USA 2011, and Pure Gold is the best show on the radio, so make sure you tune in check out the latest in entertainment, news, and sports. Absolutely. Yeah, one more for old time's sake. Check out Pure Gold Radio for a fresh take on sports and entertainment. <laughs> David and Joe are informative, prolific, and funny. Enjoy a variety of guests and perspective. Tune in to catch me live, pro wrestler, actress, producer, Francesca Zappacelli at puregoldpg.com. Thank you so much, Francesca. And I've actually been talking to her recently, and there's a pretty good chance she's going to be on the show next month. So well, that's why I played that clip. And it's funny because um, her her promo, like, it's so weird. Like, the way she starts out the promo and the, the dictation and stuff, it's just it's interesting. But anyway, sir, let's talk about the fraud, the absolute 100% scum-sucking fraud that is Bernie Sanders. And, you know, guys like this piss me off. Politicians piss me off. They make me, you know what? You know how I feel? I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel because, you know what? Substitute Jets for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. That wasn't yeah, loud enough. Oof. A little better. Uh, right here for you, Bernie. Shame on you! You know what? You are an absolute scum-sucking moose turd. As a matter of fact, I don't even understand. See, see this is what I don't get, sir. This is what I don't even understand. You make a dog sick! This guy spends months railing against Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton, uh, Hillary, whatever you want to call her, Hillary, whatever you want to call her, this fraudulent woman. And we're going to get into her in a second. But how 
this woman is the one percent of the one percent. She is everything that Bernie Sanders supposedly stands against, aka Larry David, because they look like the same person. Bernie Sanders is a total fraud and a sellout to be endorsing her. Are you kidding me? After everything that they went through in the campaign trail, all the attacks, all the vitriol, all the negative stuff, she represents everything that he stands against, supposedly, and he's going to endorse her? Are you freaking kidding me? This is why I lose respect for any politicians, and it baffles me why people believe in politicians and still follow these people. It totally baffles me. They stay crap on each other. They talk about each other's mothers and families and, and they go all the dirt they can. And then when they lose, like, hey, you know, I'm going to endorse them. Are you, are you serious, sir? Are you kidding me? I mean, you're right. This is what politicians are. They're just liars and they, they're just looking out to, for themselves and they'll say anything to get the votes. And then as soon as they lose, they go and endorse the person that they were ripping for the last eight months like Bernie did. So, uh, I, I I know you're gonna hate this next statement that I'm gonna make is that, but at, at least Donald Trump, for as as a dork or as a loser as he is, I don't think he's ever swayed <laughs> away from his beliefs. Um, I, I think he tells it like it is, how he feels, and if you don't like it, you don't vote for him. But I don't think he's ever swayed away and and decided to become a liar like Hillary is with these emails and Bernie with endorsing Hillary now. I I just think that Trump is the lesser of two evils at the end of the day. No, and, and, and I, I can't stand Donald Trump. I've never liked Donald Trump. I didn't even like him when he was in the WWE, when he WrestleMania 4. I didn't even like yeah. when they had the WrestleManias over at the, the Trump uh, Taj Mahal or, you know, the Atlantic right. City Casino, whatever the hell it was for 4 and 5. But, sir, right. I mean, it's true. He is the lesser of the two evils. But, man, you talk about frauds. You talk about absolute 100% frauds. For all my criticism of Donald Trump and some of the Republican candidates, you know what? I respect guys like Ted Cruz who have not endorsed Donald Trump. I respect guys like Jeb Bush who refuses to endorse Donald Trump. Say whatever you want about Jeb, his brother, whatever the case is, and we'll get to his brother in a minute. They refuse to endorse this man. Why? Because they don't believe in what he stands for, which I don't even know what he stands for. But that I respect. That I respect, and if the role was reversed and Cruz was in, was in the driver's seat and Trump was saying, you know what, I can't, I just don't like Ted Cruz, I can't um, endorse him, that I respect. But someone like Bernie Sanders who talks about socialism, who talks about you know free college and free this and free that, Hillary has special interests in her back pocket. Hillary is, is the ultimate Washington elite. They are like the Washington royal family, the Clintons. And you're going to tell me that he's going to say, yeah, I support her now? What a joke. He should have said, you know what, this system's broken, it sucks, and I'll be back, or I'll try to fix it. Not supporting Hillary, that's an absolute fraud in my book, sir. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And uh, for him to to go and now support Hillary, who he's been ripping, like you said, for eight, year, eight months, uh, the last eight months, is just uh, he turns out to be what you consider just your typical, prototypical politician that just uh, – yep. Lino. And he Basically said, he says said he... in the face of that, he wasn't a politician, he's different, he's this, he's that, he's, you know, alternative. He's not an alternative. Yeah. He's a liberal freaking nutjob weirdo freak with no backbone just like the rest of them. With less backbone than the rest of them because he tried to be different and he was all a fraud. Speaking of all that and speaking of, you know, yeah. 
I mentioned George uh, Jeb Bush, and you know, the, of course, he had this horrible tragedy in uh, in Dallas with the police officers getting killed. But I thought it was interesting that President Bush and President Obama both spoke at the at the uh, you know the, this event. And see, yep. as much as I rip Obama and I can't stand him, and I think he's the absolute worst. I've always said this, but one thing I'll say, I got to give him props. He, I didn't hear anything. You know, you hear a lot of this, like when uh, Nancy Reagan died, he didn't go to the funeral. You hear a lot of the times, like he's going to the Black Lives Matter, people get killed. He goes to their funerals, but not the, you know, the other funerals, the police officers' funerals. But the fact that he went, I got to give him kudos, kudos and props. And I'm not even trying to take a knock on him. I'm just saying that you always hear in, the, in a lot where he's meeting with people. You would think he'd be meeting with other people, but he's meeting with these specific, you know, quote unquote victims, like the Black Lives Matter people. But no, he went out there, he gave a pretty good speech from what I heard, you know, he, he referenced the bravery of the police officers and, you know, this stuff like this needs to stop. And I thought it was good that he went. I thought it was good that he made it a priority to be there for that event because I think it's important that the President of the United States be there trying to sow seeds of, you know, peace and unity and all that. And I thought it was cool that President Bush went. I mean, he's a Texas guy, so not surprising, but I I thought that was cool, sir. Yeah, I mean, my my biggest thing about Obama, honestly, the last eight years is that he, his mission or his so-called uh, mission was to bring the two parts together, and I think that he did the exact opposite. And that's where I, I really get upset with the Obama administration is that the fact that there's more divide between Republicans and Democrats than, the, than there ever was. And I just think that now the system is completely broken, and that's why we need a change completely, and we need somebody that just doesn't care about the parties and just wants to do something to fix America. And I feel like Trump... Uh, as crazy as he is in certain aspects, I think that he would be able to uh, fix at least the economy and, and just uh, make sure that, you know, America is respected again. I don't think America is respected anymore. And, again, going back to the, the point that you made is that, that he showed up in Dallas, I think that the president needs to do that. And you're right. It's a, a strong message for the president to show up at these tragic events and, and try to bring the country together because right now I feel like the country is on edge. I feel like it's almost like – I don't want to compare it to 9/11, but I feel like the country is on edge, just as almost as close as 9/11, if that makes any sense. No, I get what you're saying. It's definitely we're we're in a bad point, and you know, my wife and I have this conversation all the time. It's definitely not a good time in this country, and I think it's good to have these guys, like, um, you know, the presidents and stuff, going out there and trying to be peaceful and everything, and you know, supporting police officers. I think it's very important. I think that people need to see that and they need to be a part of that. Um, now, speaking of Hillary, we were talking about her before. You know, I see. You know, the biggest problem to me, the biggest fraud in this country, other than Bernie Sanders, are politicians. All politicians, because you know what? This whole thing with Isaiah Crowell and everything—it's—it's um, it's a joke, sir. It's an absolute. Well, I'm sorry, I mentioned him again. <laughs> I meant James. Uh, James. Wait, what is it, Cromie? I think it's Crowley? Cromie. No, Comey. I'm sorry, Comey. James Comey. Comey. The FBI it. director. And I, I'm watching, you know, this is partisan politics at its absolute most disgusting. I felt sick to my stomach watching this crap stuff. They're, they're grilling this guy on Capitol Hill or whatever about the Hillary Clinton email fiasco debacle. They're asking him, the Republicans are asking him questions that to me made a lot of sense. And again, I'm a Republican or whatever, conservative and all that. 
but his questions, the questions that they were asking made sense. You know, did Hillary Clinton lie about this? Yes. Did she do this? Yeah. The, the answer to everything was pretty much yes all across the board. So how is it that you still don't support the chief be prosecuted? How is it that you still, and, you know, his answers were, you know, typical political backtalk and BS and all that stuff. But what got me, what annoyed the crap out of me is you could tell without looking, because what they would do is, you know, the, the person in charge would they say, oh, you know, we now recognize the gentleman from, you know, Wisconsin. We now recognize the, gen- you know, the woman from Missouri or whatever, from New York. So he'd give everyone a chance to talk. You know, different politicians wanted to say something. But what got me, the, they would start talking, and you would hear the beginning of their opening, you know, remarks. And then after that, you'd see that they would go pan to the person and put, you know, which part of political affiliation, you know, Democrat, Republican, blah, 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 which state, you know, their title, everything. You knew who the Democrats were and you knew who the Republicans were the minute they opened their mouth. The Republicans were like, oh, thank you for joining us. And I have a question on this. The Democrats were like, you know, straight to the point, the Democrats were absolutely like, well, you know, first of all, I want to, this happened like five or six times from what I heard. It got so bad that I turned it off, but I watched for a good hour. Uh, you know, I want to thank you so much for your exemplary service and really appreciate, you know, having you here and, you know, having to answer these ridiculous questions. I'm so sorry and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you were appointed by this president and your service has been impeccable. You know, they spent the entire five minutes, like, kissing this guy's butt and talking about how great he is and no sort of acknowledgement that Hillary did anything wrong. And they even said it, like, listen, he said it, like, you know, it wasn't, she wasn't allowed to do this. She wasn't permitted to do this. This was not something she got any sort of, you know, clearance for. She had the server. Her husband had the server, I guess, when he was president or whatever. And she decided to, like, change it so that she could use it. And, you know, there was at least 110 emails of classified information that was exchanged. And other parties saw it and blah, blah, blah. This whole big mess. But yet, the Democrats had no interest in asking him any questions. It was all about, you know, I'm so sorry for this. And I'm so sorry that, you know, the Republicans are doing this. And one guy started talking about Donald Trump. One guy used his time to talk about Donald Trump's tweets or whatever and hateful tweets. I'm thinking, this is not Hillary Clinton, you moron. Why the hell are you talking about Donald Trump? He has nothing to do with this. And it shows you why this country is screwed up. It shows you why we're messed up, why we're not getting any better, why things are getting infinitely and exponentially worse, because partisan politics, the fact that she's a Democrat, all the Democrats are on her side, no matter what. Agree or disagree, they're going to they're gonna put the front. And that's wrong. If you think it's wrong, say it, regardless of what your political affiliation is. And the Republicans are going after her, so it looks completely biased. Like It was a joke, sir. An absolute joke. What, what about, give What's your thoughts on it? Well, let me ask you this. If, if you're uh, a so-called Democrat and want to vote for the Democrat, whoever that party is, I, I just need to a- you need to answer me one question. How is it that you're going to vote for somebody that actually lied under oath, um, also cannot handle classified information, misused classified information, and now you expect this person to run the country? I, I, I Answer me that question. It's amazing how... Nobody brings up the fact that Hillary's a liar, like most politicians are, but she lied about classified right. information. Top-level security questions, I mean, emails that were used and, and sent through her server, and nobody brings up the fact that she's not fit to run the country. They, they, the whole rhetoric is that you know, Donald Trump, if he becomes president, this world is going to – the United States is not going to exist anymore. But, I, I, I mean – I feel more dangerous. I feel more fearful if Hillary's the president because she doesn't know how to handle just this information. I, I don't know. I just feel like if it was the other way around, if this was a Republican, um, you know, a Republican scandal, it, it, it would be like you know, Trump came. Trump shouldn't be allowed to run for president at this point. 
But Hillary right, is what they would do is they would have him prosecuted and they would have him go straight to jail and all that sort of stuff. Right. It's a joke, sir. It's an absolute friggin' joke, and I, I hate it, and it makes me sick, and it goes to show you why this country is so screwed up, sir. It really is. And the conventions are coming up. I think the Republican conventions come up next week. Trump is supposed to announce his vice president. You know, between Newt Gingrich, I think the the senator or the governor from Indiana, and potentially Chris Christie. I, I think that I think if he ever does pick Chris Christie as his running mate, um, I think that just goes to show you that he wasn't actually serious about running for president, and he's also a sham too. Only if he picks Chris Christie, because let's face it, he picks Chris Christie, uh, you could just lock it up. Hillary's going to be your next president of the United States in November. Is there any shot that anyone he picks makes any kind of difference? Um, I mean, I would have picked somebody with, uh, at a, like, thinking, like, strategically and how to win this election. I would have picked somebody from a swing state. Like, I would have picked, I would have really had a good, deep conversation with John Kasich uh, from Ohio and maybe potentially get him on board because, let's face it, the state of Ohio loves him. It's a good, it's a swing state that if you win that state, usually you win the presidency of the United States. Um, I, maybe John Kasich, just like Jeb Bush and Ted Cruz, just don't believe in Donald Trump, even though they're Republicans, like you said. But I would have picked somebody, and maybe he is going to pick somebody that will help him win a swing state or two. Because in the end, the, this we talked about this a week or two ago, the Electoral College is just flawed. And the way that we elect a president is just outdated at this point, to be honest with you. I totally agree. It's, it's a total sham. You know, this is really pissing me off. <laughs> All our topics tonight are so damn negative and so bad. Is there anything good that we could talk about? Is there anything remotely positive or whatever? I guess not because, you know what, uh, let's switch over to WWE for a second. Um, yeah. You know, Brock yeah. Lesnar, oh, UFC, Brock Lesnar killed Mark Hunt, unanimous decision. It's funny because when Brock was in the, the uh, ECW, ECW, <laughs> when Brock was in uh, UFC the first, <laughs> he was in Game Changer Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah. No, seriously, when he was in UFC the first time, I hated Brock Lesnar because of how he left the WWE. Now that he's back, I absolutely love him and root for him, and I think he's great. And I think the fact that he whooped Mark Hunt, who talked all this smack and all this crap about him and roiding and this and that and blah, 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 he got handled. So I think that's great. It puts the, I mean, Vince came out smelling like roses on this one, sir. It, it More eyes on the product and everything else, cross-promotion, whatever you want to call it. Now he's going after Randy Orton in SummerSlam. Match makes no sense to me, sir. Give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, uh, just let's rewind uh, two two steps before. Um, the fact that he's back in UFC and he fought and he beat Mark Hunt, my question to you real fast is that does this mean that he gets hungry again to go and fight for the world title at the UFC, or is this just a one and done with him? Or do you think that this is the beginning of a re- revitalization of UFC for Brock Lesnar? I don't know if it's the beginning of Reynolds' days. I mean, he does have a WWE contract. I think it's a three-year deal, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, I don't know what he what he does or what his plan is. But I think it's good that he went back, but it might be bad for his wrestling career. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I, I really don't understand um, what, that, what the WWE is. I don't, I don't understand what the WWE is thinking to put him against Randy Orton because there's a really a no-win situation there because if Brock loses to Randy Orton, how is that even possible when he just beat Mark Hunt? And if Randy Orton is right. his first match back, if his first match back is against Brock Lesnar and he loses to Brock Lesnar, then what was the point of bringing Randy Orton back? So uh, I'm kind of confused on why they picked Randy Orton Brock Lesnar for SummerSlam, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I agree, sir. I totally agree. I mean, we got time to talk about it SummerSlam. It makes no sense. 
Yeah, we got time to talk about Summer's Fest. And next week is going to be an important week, um, not only for our show, but we'll we'll be able to talk about probably uh, the draft is next Tuesday, SmackDown Live, and, you know, this whole thing between Vince McMahon picking uh, Shane to run SmackDown, but he still needs to name a, a general manager, and Stephanie's going to run Raw. And you said that, you know, the rumors are that Daniel Bryan might be the the general manager for uh, yeah, SmackDown. Yeah, a rumor. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but, I mean, we'll find out, of course. Uh, it just makes no sense if he's going to – Shane is going to pick a sm- uh, face. Well, the idea of two authority figures on the show is ridiculous. And bringing back a commissioner so that the commissioner <laughs> can appoint a general manager makes no yeah. sense. Um and then if they're both faces, if he picks Daniel Bryan, they're both faces. If Stephanie picks Triple H, which everyone thinks, they're both heels. It's the authority again in the Raw. So it makes no sense there. What's the point? And, and the fact that Shane pretty much wanted nothing to do with SmackDown and he was wanting control of Raw and now he has control of SmackDown is an absolute joke, sir. And it goes to the WWE has their head so far up their own collective asses that they don't even know what they're doing. Yeah. But again, we got plenty of time to talk about that with about a minute or two to go. I just want to say, and then you could lead it, and then I'll follow up with your comments. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. How are you today? <laughs> so Mike and the Mad Dog didn't get into the whole theme, apparently, and uh, because of my vote, apparently, as you said, uh, to start the show. No, yeah, I, I think it's funny. I, you know, I thought the voting thing was interesting, um, but the fact that they didn't get in, the fact that Craig Carl was making fun of them, and his, his disgust and his hatred for Mike, is it's a to me, it's borders on absurd because now it's at the point where he just like talks about him every show and rips him in some way, shape, or form. And they had the whole thing with Kim Jones talking about people running their mouths, and, you know, like this whole feud going on at WFN. And, and you know, Carter's the type of guy who wears it as welcome, and he's probably going to hopefully show the door at some point because he's the type of guy who I'm sure everyone on the fan hates his guts because he's such a moron. But that's a whole other story. Um, the fact that Chris and Mike didn't get in, Mike Savage, I think he's an author or radio host also, he got in, and apparently it wasn't even close, so I don't know who the hell was voting. The fact that nobody voted, the fact that you didn't vote a thousand times, I just don't get it, and why would you leave it up to the fans to decide yeah. if somebody belongs in the Hall of Fame? Like, that doesn't even make sense. Yeah, how does somebody, how does a, a radio talk show that pretty much ruled the, the airwaves for 19 years, or at least 18 and a half years, uh, before they got really legit and became number one, um, number one sports radio talk show in America. How does a show like that, that ran that long and was number one rated for that long, not get into the Hall of Fame? You gotta have to answer me that, that question. I honestly don't know. You know, another, it, it just, I don't know. Honestly, I can't imagine. The next thing you know, uh, Car- uh, Carton and Boomer will get into the Hall of Fame, you know, next month <laughs> instead of uh, yeah. Mike and Chris. So that'll be a, that'll be a whole other thing. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I thought they were locked to get in. They didn't make it, so maybe next time, and who knows? I mean, at this point, maybe by then they'll be back together on Sirius or in Mike's basement. So who knows? I guess we'll see about that. And, you know, back to one thing I missed. We were talking about the WWE before, and, you know, I'm just I'm still confused with the World Wrestling Entertainment why they still make movies. I was I actually watched Lockdown no not Lockdown uh, Twelve Rounds Three with Dean yeah. Ambrose the other day. I had nothing else to do, so I started watching it. You know, not not the worst film I've ever seen. Dean Dean wasn't all that great. <laughs> it definitely wasn't all that great. It was kind of ridiculous. The ending was just totally stupid. It just like out of nowhere, like boom, that's it. It's over. But. All I can think to myself is, why are they making these films? What is the point? They're, they lose money out of all these films. They're not making anything. So you tell me, what's the point of still... There's one with Edge and Lana who are going to be in it. Like, why? 
Yeah, it's just an infatuation by Vince to to just make sports entertainment across not only across uh, wrestling and sports, but across all types of uh, entertainment. And I guess he's trying to push movies down um, everyone's throat. And unfortunately, uh, or he maybe doesn't care that they lose money, but his idea is that if you bring the brand, uh, extend the brand throughout these different venues of entertainment, I think in the end, um, that's what his goal yeah, so is, is just to make let's yeah. let's spend millions of dollars, right? Making yep. like F list movies, not even <laughs> B list or C list, F list movies. Yeah, the only person that has been, yeah the only person that was successful, obviously, definitely maybe it was The Rock, and uh, he continues to be the only successful WWE uh, superstar that makes uh, really good movies, and nobody else really comes close. Well, he's such a talent. I mean, to me, he's the biggest. He's obviously the biggest crossover star. To me, at this point, he's probably the biggest star in WWE history, just because of everything that The Rock. I'm talking about not Dean Ambrose. Um, the Rock has done so much, and he's gotten so famous. And he was so famous in the WWE, and now he's like the top of the world as an actor. I mean, you know, and he actually has talent. So it's a whole other story. Uh, last topic for me. Uh, just I don't even know yeah. if you care about this, but they finally cast a super uh, Superman in the Supergirl show. That was a big deal because in the first season she. And only saw like blurry face, and they showed like a shadow, and they never showed his face. Yeah. Now, yeah. Tyler Hoechlin, I don't even know how to pronounce it, but this this guy, you know, has been on a whole bunch of shows, and he's got a good look to him, and he's gonna be Superman in the first two episodes of this upcoming season, so that should be interesting, sir. If, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean the fact that my my wife and my daughter watch that show religiously um, says a lot about the show and uh, how well they've done it in terms of just the uh, the storyline and the writing and even the the um, the action that's behind it. And now to introduce Superman into it, just let's hope that he doesn't overshadow you know Supergirl because I think that season one was really well done. Did you actually watch season one, or are you just going off of what your wife saw you? No, I would watch not like you know I would be on my phone and watch, and I would be texting and watching, but they would You're actually watch. Jump and watching you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I did watch like three or four episodes, and I really liked them. Um, again, I, it's the series didn't like catch me, and uh, I'm like hooked on it. I don't know if you did. You watch every single episode this year? Yes, I did. I, I did oh. enjoy it. There's definitely a major feminist undertone to it, which I didn't like. There's a, yeah, there's there a part is. where they reference yep. God. They reference God as a woman. Didn't like that either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did think the show was interesting enough and had some good stuff. I hated Black Jimmy Olsen. I hated that Jimmy Olsen's supposed to be this goofy kid, and they make him this like basically this this model, this statuesque model looking dude, and it just it made no sense the way that they characterized him. And there was some you know some terrible relationship drama. But I thought the show was good. I thought Melissa Benoist was great as Supergirl. I thought her episode with The Flash, that crossover, was amazing. Uh, so I'm definitely looking forward to having her in the fold for the DC shows in this coming fall, you know, with Disney crossing over with Flash, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, et cetera, et cetera. Now that they have a Superman on TV, who knows if they'll do another Superman show or, you know, miniseries or whatever the case is. So if anything, that should be interesting, sir. Definitely. Obviously, maybe. You know maybe. what I was thinking before we, we close out the show? Two things about Michelle, our guest that was on tonight. I think that you could have her uh, on your special, like we were talking about doing PGX shows. That would be perfect because she has an X in her, her title. We're pure gold, so you could do a PGX with her as long as she doesn't have IBS because apparently that's why she had to leave so fast because, <laughs> you know, she had to go. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, apparently. I guess we'll have to find out about that. Um, anyway, so uh, thanks to Michelle and uh, you know for coming on the show for 15 minutes. That was great. We really appreciate that. Great. Um, hopefully next time she'll be able to come on for 16 minutes. Um, yeah, and I actually have talked to her about possibly doing a show, a PG uh, extra show with her. So we'll we'll see where that goes, sir. Yeah, next week we could talk about what we didn't want to. We didn't actually touch on at all is the fact that how we want to fix the All-Star game in baseball, but uh, that could be next week's topic. <laughs> definitely. That's all I got. Obviously, definitely, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's nothing. Uh, there's pretty much nothing left, sir. Um, let me see here. Uh, uh, so much, sir. There's absolutely so much that we, we discussed and so much we talked about. I mean, hell of a show, hell of a show. Um, yeah, we may as well just touch on the All-Star game real quick. Um, I spent on Terry yeah. Collins for not using the Mets, but there was a great idea that I heard, and I wanted to throw it out there to you and the one person out there listening to the Pure Gold Airways. Um, somebody said on the fan today, to Joe and Evan, that they said that the All-Star game should be played at the beginning of the season so that you have the entire previous year, you're picking All-Stars based on the whole season versus just half a year, which I've always thought it was ridiculous that it was in the middle of the season because some guys have great first halves, they, they disappear in the second half or vice versa. And then basically you're starting out the 2017 season with the 2016 All-Stars. And I think that would get monster ratings because people are starved for baseball at that point. They'd be really into it and they'd want to watch a you know, competitive game, you give bonuses, incentives, et cetera, et cetera. And people are, you know, um, People could be into it, and you get great ratings. Instead, the last two years, you've got a six-something and a five-something. Next year, it's going to be in the twos, like, you know, the home field events, things ridiculous. But anyways, so give me your give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, the way you said that the caller described it seems like a better way of doing it because, again, if you're judging somebody only in half the year, does that really make them a legit all-star? I mean, half the season is not obviously the complete season, so you, you'd want to judge somebody – and see if they were an all-star for the whole year. So I like the idea of having the game the following year. You told me that the only issue is that, what do you call it? I mean, you don't have to call it anything but the all-star game, I guess, every year. You don't have to say the 2016 or 2017. Just call it the all-star game every year. And then you have the people that performed great the year before play right before the season starts. And I think that taking away the whole home field advantage thing, you know, whoever wins the game is a, a must and I think that you need to make some incentives for the teams to actually want to go out and play hard, even though that the, the games are like low scoring and the, they're usually dominated by pitching. I just think that you need to get rid of that whole like the winner gets home to advantage for the World Series. And I think you, you need to incentivize, like what I thought. And tell me what you think, because I don't think you comment on that. Is that um, whoever wins the, the All Star game, the American League or the National League? Say the, the National League wins. Well, the National League has 15 teams. Those 15 teams then go into a lottery, and then they draw the top 15 people for the draft for the following year. And I think that that would give some type of incentive that is more realistic than the winner gets home field advantage for the World Series. I think the winner should just get a WWE title presented to them, and everyone on the team. I think Triple H <laughs> should come out there. The All Star Game Without. MVP. You got the you got the All Star Game plates on the side. The MLB logo. Make a partnership with the WWE and have them make all those title belts for all these special occasions because athletes love it. We've talked about the sad nauseum. I mean, I think it'd be great, sir. Instead of a trophy, you get a title belt. Do that. I mean, Triple H does it already with all the the four major sports. So do that for the All Star Game. That'd be awesome, sir. Awesome. 
Absolutely, definitely, maybe. Anyway, um, I think that's it. We're done. I, I no desire to continue this conversation, sir. It's been a pleasure. Hopefully, we can have <laughs> we can have you on the show next week <laughs> yeah. for fifteen minutes. <laughs> I really appreciate that. <laughs> oh, well, we Michelle knew that we were ripping her right now. That'd be great. No, I just think it's funny that she's fifteen. <laughs> oh, I gotta go, guys. I gotta go. Um. Uh, my meter's running. The taxi's waiting for me outside. <laughs> I gotta get the hell out of here. Wait, wait, Holy cow. <laughs> I'm on the phone. Ma, the meatloaf. Good stuff. <laughs> Folks, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> the two of you out there, we really appreciate it. Um, you know, I just can't, I can't tell you. What up, Ma? Oh, wait, that's the wrong one. There you go. Oh, yeah. Macho man, Randy Savage. Well, there we go. Ooh, yeah. And Ooh, as far yeah. as the Mets making the playoffs, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs, <laughs> folks. <laughs> again, thank you so much for listening. Um, good stuff as always. What's the name of your show? Pure gold. Pure gold. Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> gold. You guys are awesome. Indeed, we are, Nikki. Thank you so much, folks. Have a wonderful evening. Woo! Take care, spike your hair.